0: Welcome to Subway Sports Talk.
1: Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please.
0: Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube. YouTube joining me today, a late surprise. Did not expect to be talking to this band in this manner at this moment. So I was kind of thinking I'll be doing it solo, but how could we do this? And now I realize what he's talking about with the YouTube <laughs> video and the wrong background. <laughs> there we go. I thought I was gonna be doing this solo. Uh, and guess what? Not, is Alec Argento is here to talk about the Knicks. And I don't think he's very happy. I don't think he's very happy, but Alec, before we get into that, did you get new glasses? I did get new glasses.
2: Thank you for noticing. You're only nice. the second person to notice in a month and a half. Nice. <laughs> you look great. Thank you. I appreciate it. And tortoise rim. No big deal. It's oh. fashionable. Just to say?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, how are we feeling about the Knicks? I'm feeling much better about your look right now than the Knicks, I assume.
2: I'm fired up, man. I'm not, ha- I'm not happy whatsoever. Uh, this was an emergency podcast for a reason. I got a lot of takes. Um And I am on the Fire Tibbs uh, mm. game right now uh, for the first time in Tibbs' tenure. I've been a big Tibbs defender, but like this game was un- unforgivable.
0: So, if there's anyone out there listening who's unaware, the Knicks played a what I would say an, a decent game for most of the game. You know, they they competed well. They definitely weren't playing great, like by any means, they weren't playing great, but they were playing decent. They had their chances at their leads, and they were up when they could, but they were mostly back and forth. Then they lost uh, in overtime against the Lakers. Terrible possession down the stretch in fourth quarter by Julius Randle. A couple of defensive laps by Julius Randle as well. I don't want to blame it all on him. because He obviously wasn't great in this game. But Barrett got basically in the fourth quarter uh, quickly, and Brunson pr- played pretty well. Outside of that, You know, Grimes played all right as well, but he didn't shoot well again, which has been a, a little bit of a trend here we'll discuss. Outside of that, just didn't feel great tonight from the continuity standpoint, from an offensive standpoint, even with a couple good individual performances. And it's just more of the same here with the Knicks kind of fighting mediocrity and winning and losing at the same time, because they are winning some good games. They're losing some bad games and kind of everything in between. So it's a hard thing to kind of grasp right now, who they are, what they are, what they're supposed to be. But before we dive deeper into that and hear from our guy, Alec, I do got to let you guys know, NBA fans, you specifically, NBA fans, that it's time to bring hoops action into the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And this week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. That's it. Instantly. You got it. Boom. Good for you. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every single day. In fact, I just used mine on Tuesday night. Knicks, Lakers, talk about it in a second. But you can go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you get a free bet back. And thank goodness, because your boy thought he was onto something. I had a nice little four leg parlay. Manual quickly over 10.5 hit. Manual quickly, two threes hit in the first half. He didn't hit it in the second half, but we still hit the part of the bet. Jalen Brunson over 4.5 assists hit. That's three legs. Hit all three. Guess what? Julius Randle over 23 and a half. He had 23 points, ladies and gentlemen. And that right there is an L except it wasn't because I get a free bet back. Thanks to DraftKings. No sweat. Same game parlay. Download the app now and sign up with the code TBPM. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPM. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. And when I saw your text, Alec, and I was thinking to myself, oh, I'm going to go on there solo. I'll talk a little Knicks. I'll talk a little this, a little that. And you came out with your take that you are not happy with tips right now. And I wanted to expand on that, which I'm happy that you're here. So what about this game specifically? And then we can go more generally over the past couple of weeks and months but what about this game specifically frustrated you with Coach Thibodeau?
2: Well, there was a ton in this game. I mean, the, the biggest thing, and I know you say you want to talk about it in the larger spectrum, but like you can't lose another home game on national television. Every time that they're home, they are going to lose this game at this point. They get into another dogfight, uh, and you know that they're going to lose that game. It's embarrassing. You can't come out of that, uh, that, that last play timeout and have no play besides Randall iso, and then Randall iso into a double team, and he doesn't even get the shot off. That's unforgivable. You can't do that, especially when Randall was like six for 19 or something like that, which is ridiculous. He was playing like ass the entire game, which is fine. He can have a game where he's off like that. That's fine. He's been playing out of his mind for the past three months or pretty much the entire season at this point. Totally fine. But you have to give it to Brunson, who who is like fifty percent from the field the entire night, was hitting all of his free throws. You're in the bonus. Go attack the rim. Worst case scenario, you don't get anything, but you have to get a shot off. You have to get a shot off at some point. You have to try to draw the foul. You have to give it to the guy that's that's been good all game, or he kicks it out too quickly or or Grimes. And you know I know I know Grimes didn't have a great game and hasn't been playing super well the past couple of games, but he's shown you that he could have big shots even rj could have been in the game to come out of that timeout, which again he was inexplicably gone the entire quarter and i know that he wasn't playing well but like you need to have your guys in there too and i get keeping quickly in there but you need to have rj in there with instead of either quickly or grimes in my my opinion but i understand that you can't have randall make that play at all or there's that and this isn't necessarily on on tibbs but like Probably is to a degree when they had the the four possession, uh, the, 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 the four offensive rebounds and they're taking threes. They shot 20% from three, the entire game. They're in the bonus. They're in the bonus. Go run to the, uh, to, to the rim and see what happens. Right. Try to push the, push the pressure on them. Brunson and the beginning fouls like crazy the entire game. It makes no sense to do that. And then that, that possession ended by Brunson taking the timeout to, to five seconds at half court, which is ridiculous. And then in overtime, you have Hartenstein taking a three. Why the hell is Hartenstein taking a three in the entire game? He's ass at threes. I, I like, he's not the guy that they promised, that uh, us he would be uh, this going into the season on like the Nick subreddit and everything like that. Like the advanced star analytics darling. It's just, it's, it's, it's fucking outrageous, dude. Uh, I I'm sick of watching these at-home losses against like a team that's ass. The Lakers are ass. They're not a good team.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're definitely way better when LeBron and AD are both healthy, right? They're a much more competent team. They can actually do some things offensively when they're both healthy. However, the Knicks are a better team still than them. They've been playing better. Like you want to give them credit. Excuse me. You want to give them credit where it's due, right? Like they, they are playing better basketball. However, the Knicks are still a better team and have been playing better for the for the majority of the season. So there's no not really an excuse, right? Like, yes, you can lose to the Lakers and not be embarrassed, but in the manner in which they lost is embarrassing. Where there was moments where you're watching your your all-star and your, you know, franchise cornerstone and Julius Randle. I mean, you know, not a lot of people would want to label him that just because of, you know, what happened last year and whatever. But there were just moments where he looked like his effort wasn't there. And that's Thing that frustrates Knicks fans more than anything and you don't really see that from other guys on the team and that's one of the more frustrating things like you're talking about Hartenstein and like him shooting threes when he probably shouldn't be you know what I'm fine with that the guy can shoot a little bit if he's kind of open I'm gonna let a live with him letting it rip not We're in big. that moment not in I, that moment that's fine but my point is like he's making aggressive mistakes whereas Julius Randall made passive mistakes in that game and it was really really frustrating to watch like LeBron goes slowly over a screen on the left wing and Julius Randle kind of lumbers around the screen and LeBron gets a wide open jumper. Uh then the first possession in overtime, LeBron goes down below the hoop and just completely pins down Randle under the hoop and an easy entry pass gets LeBron a wide open layup. Like that's the stuff that's unacceptable to Knicks fans. And, and
2: the traveling, the traveling call too.
0: The traveling, yeah, that same concept, too. It's like, you know, if you're just a little more locked in, you're not trying to play hero ball. Like, here's the thing, too. He tries to play hero ball without giving hero effort all the time. Like, at least, you know what's a perfect example here, too, Alec, with Russell Westbrook being on the other side of this game? Like, that dude makes mistakes all the time. He makes bad decisions all the time. But if he's on your team, like, if you're a Lakers fan, you're a Thunder fan, you're a Rockets, Wizards fan, whatever, he's been on a bunch of teams lately. If you're a fan of one of his teams, you know that he's going all out and his mistakes are just mistakes. He doesn't make like, I'm not trying hard enough mistakes. And that was some of the stuff that we saw from Randall tonight, which is why Knicks fans are still having some trust issues in this
2: relationship. I'm not going to allow the Randall slander. Like for, from my perspective, I, I just, I, I don't think this was on him. I, I really don't think it. I think you like Tibbs has to show that he knows how to draw up a play in the timeout. He's never done it. very fair. also, I have seen Julius Randle take game-winning shots for, what, three years, four years now, however long he's been on the team. He's never made one. I've never seen him make one. He might have made one. He's never he made really
0: one. He takes like, a jump shot, too. He actually, always. he tried to go to the rim and maybe draw a foul, but then he didn't even shoot. Like, it looked like, you know, at the end of, like, the second quarter or, or first quarter when someone wants to take a half-court shot, but they wait for the buzzer to hit so they don't mess yeah. up there. That's oh, what it And also,
2: like. a how that was... Order. How, how about like Dennis Schroeder just casually yeah. making that that three and a half time? Like there was a bunch of little things that you could just tell throughout this game, no matter how close the Knicks got, they weren't winning this game. And and that just that that feeds into coaching to a certain degree, right? Like at a certain point, you have to blame someone who's not getting the team to rally around it. Part of it too, I will fully admit, like obviously not having Mitch on this team is a huge, huge hole. But I'd rather have Sims in that game than Hartenstein – who can't rebound at all. He, you know, I know he has a little bit of a floater game and a hook shot and everything like that, but Sims is leaps and bounds the better defender and rebounder. So why is he not in that game? I understand he had foul trouble, but you're in overtime, right? You're in overtime if you, you keep him in there until the rails go off and then you put Hartenstein in. I'd rather worry about it when, when that happens than you know and have my guy in there when I need it. So Mitch coming back will fix a, a you know huge gaping hole that we have in this team. But at the same time, like Sims is getting better and better each game. Like he's fitting into the starting lineup better and better. He's getting more comfortable. He's growing as a player. He'll never be, you know, a cat or anything like that. But he's a, he's a Mitch Light, which is what you need. And when the Knicks were most successful, they had a Mitch Light in Nerlens Noel on the bench, right? And Like you don't yeah. have to you don't have to divide up the the talent and skill set of your centers. If you have two guys that do the same thing, put the two guys that do the same thing, as long as that thing is good. Right. And, and I think that Tibbs is, a, is, worried about that. He wants to like mix and like, that's the only thing that he tries to mix and matches is his centers, which makes no sense to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he did make a technically mix and match quickly in RJ tonight too. And here's the thing. Here's where I'll defend Thibodeau, And this is not really a hearted defense. This is just me being that guy who plays devil's advocate and and, and whatnot. But you so many times, yeah, right. <laughs> if anyone's listened before, they're like, "Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like you do this angle every once in a while." <laughs> <laughs> but um, basically, like for years now of the Thibodeau era here in New York, we have been complaining about him being too tight with his rotations and not loosening up and not allowing young guys to flourish and not really going with the hand he feels is hot. And tonight, here he goes. The hand that's hot is I imagine quickly, who's been hot for a while now. And then we have Hartenstein, who let's be honest. He, he played decent tonight. He played pretty well. I mean, he had, he had a, a 16 points on 10 shots. He was seven to 10. He had 13 boards. I thought he was effective while out there. Generally, however you are correct. Sims is the better defender and should be in to guard. Uh, Anthony Davis in that, in that spot too. Cause AD, I mean, even when he's kind of limited from an athletic standpoint, he has the touch to make some of these shots. He has the ability to still get buckets and he got some late. So I don't know. I'm not, I didn't have the same reaction as you about Tibbs in this game. Basically is my point here. My reaction about Tibbs is I haven't thought he was the guy all year, like, or, or last year for that matter. Right? Like I know the first year was great. He kind of hit expectations. I feel like he's done his job and it's time to pass the baton. We've learned who has what from Tom Thibodeau we have. And that was from day one. My big goal with, with coach Tibbs, like, I wanted to learn what we have. I wanted our guys to have a culture, to play really hard, to play defense. And for the most part, these guys do. For the most part, we figured out who can play in big moments. Now, it doesn't seem we have the guy to push the right buttons to help push those guys over any sort of top.
2: I'm with you. I think when we when we first knew Tips was signed, I think you and I came on the pod and said exactly that. Like, he's, he's a stepping stone guy who creates a foundation, creates a culture, and gets us there. I I don't think it's fair to say like he's done doing what he's done because everybody that he's had that we've drafted, he's developed really well. Not even just that we've drafted. I mean, look at Julius Randle under him, right? Like everyone under him has done well. Quentin Grimes is a legitimate NBA starter who has a really high ceiling. Qu- uh, Quickly's really good. I mean, Toppin's a different story just uh, because of his situation with Randle, but Randle was like a mediocre player uh, going into the tips, having him on there. I mean, we want him off the team. There's the reason we drafted top in the first place, Mitch Sims, all of that. And I know he doesn't always play the young guys, but he's playing them now because he developed them behind the scenes. And like, that's important because as a Knicks fan, we have never had that. We've never had uh, player development ever. Uh, and you got to give him credit for that. And, I mean, we are a play-in team, playoff team most likely at the moment, and, you know, with enough draft capital to probably make a move at the deadline to make it go forward. Um, but I don't think that he's never been the guy, right? Like, I, I think he was the guy that we needed for a long time, and now it's starting to show its colors, right? And I think that's a big distinction right there. I, I, I don't want to, like, take away from, like, dude was legitimately coach of the year. He's, You know, we're playing better this year than we played that year um and you know we had a bad year last year but it growth isn't linear it's not just like get better get better get better every season it's like you know peaks and valleys so
0: can you can you say that word again with the l linear linear yeah linear yeah yeah okay i'm sorry i've heard like linear like veneers linear Whatever.
2: Dude, to it can just... be said both ways. What are you doing? I don't know. It just sounded weird to
0: me. I wanted what to is, What is this?
2: I just wanted to double check what was going on. I am on. not under question. The way I pronounce words is not under question. We are discussing the New York Knicks right now. <laughs> Very fair.
0: So the only problem, too, with part of this discussion is what is or what who are the New York Knicks, right? So this is an- I don't know. This is an important question for us to talk about because all these debates that we can have until we're blue in the face about coach Tibbs about individual possessions from Julius Randle. about, I'm just going to start make like adding stuff that not even relevant to tonight's game or last night's game, like Brunson overall as a, as a number one type guy or a number two type guy, RJ Barrett's future in this league, like the whole nine, right? All these questions are real questions. What are the New York Knicks? I know for a fact, Alec, that they are not a top five team in the East. Sure. Right. Sure. their peak in this season is six that's their peak and the heat have been playing better. If you're looking on YouTube, I got the standings up right now. Like their peak is the six seed. So eh,
2: I don't know. I think, I think they could be better than the Cavs.
0: I I, I I don't think they can. I don't think they can. I think maybe if the Cavs are banged up and they're missing, you know, Mitchell or Garland or Allen for, you know, two months, then yes, we can definitely knock off some, some points in the standings there.
2: I'm not saying they for sure are, but I think there is they can, a world where, where they, yeah. they are a five seed.
0: Sure. But, but that's the further question. Is there even another coach out there who can push them over no. to a five, four seed range? I don't think there is right now. So that's part of the thing as well. And uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm slow to just say, wh- why are we firing Tibbs? Cause who are we making the, the next head coach? Do we have somebody in, in, in the realm of somebody like a Jacques Vaughn Rick Bronson, play? Rick Brunson, baby. <laughs> Just make Brunson's dad the, the head coach, right? <laughs> like, possibly, right? Like, I don't know. So I don't know what the next option is. But we actually do, Alec, we do have a, a special guest here as well. We have a caller. We got a guy who's calling him. It's, uh, it's Bruce from Brooklyn. And Bruce from Brooklyn, welcome to the show. And I, I think you might have some thoughts about this game because I know you were frustrated as well. But you do have to unmute yourself, though.
1: Yeah, first rule of uh, of podcasting, right? Um so what's up guys? Thanks for having me on. Um had some thoughts, Alec, been a minute. How are you doing? I don't know if you're frozen, but what is up?
0: Might be frozen. It's all good though, Bruce. What's up, Bruce? How how we doing?
1: Same old stuff, frustration. Um watching I'll saying, what's up, Alec, cuz I haven't talked to you what's in up, a while. Dude? <laughs> um just main frustration uh for the most part I think a lot of bad decisions are being made. Uh, by players who we expect to be the guy. Um, Julius Randle has been the guy for sure, but I think it's going back to like a Nick cornerstone of having that one guy continue to pit, play one-on-one ball. And all these guys that you guys had mentioned, I guess, in the past like five, ten minutes, guys who are getting time, playing well, like Quentin Grimes, things like that, um, it doesn't allow them, and more importantly, players like RJ, to fully – be what he needs to be. And I don't, I don't even think it matters from a coaching perspective. I think the game plan around, you know, spreading the love, uh, is ideal.
0: And I, I think that's a good point too, because RJ is a guy who really needs a rhythm, right? He really needs to kind of find that rhythm. In, and he has those games where it looks like he has no touch. And he, tonight was one of those games. He was three of 12 or something like that for the game. And he takes these layups or these floaters and you're like, Does this guy suck. You're like, wait, what? can he shoot? Like, can he score? Like, and that's why Twitter is such a, a dangerous place for, for RJ Barrett fans or haters alike because then he has a game where he's 9 of 13 for 28 points. And you're like, this guy's great. The jumper looks clean. He's attacking the rim. And then again, the next day after that, he looks like he can't make a layup. So it's a really strange thing. He needs rhythm. And when Julius goes ISO ball, ISO Julius, it, it's frustrating. You know, and Alec, maybe that's to your point. Tibbs has to put a kibosh on that and say, hey, Julius, you might be one, but Brunson is our 1A or 1B, however we want to call you guys. Like, we need to work together. You need to not just set a, a fake scream to go stand in the high post at the elbow and call for the ball. Like, how about a screen and roll? All the other guys who play your position well and are stars in this league don't have a one trick pony like they are true pick and roll threats they're pick and pop threats not just fake ass bullshit screen give me the ball at the elbow and and I'll go to work don't worry about it
2: yeah <laughs> i don't
0: know like do, is that like what you're seeing too i don't know cuz we started this conversation with you being mad at tibbs and me and bruce seem to have a little more frustration with julius randall
2: I, I, am not going to blame him because he's been th- three months. He's been on fire. I, I just think, I think you have a team of, of three guys that any night can put up 20 points and then any night can put up 20 points together, right? You can have, uh, Randall Brunson and RJ all put up 20 points at the same time. And then you have really good role players in Grimes and quickly. I think that I don't think that Randall just decides that he's going to go ISO. I, I don't think that that's it. I think, and I've heard Tibbs talk about this in post games before. It's like, he wants to play it safe. If you look at how they run the offense in the last two minutes or so, every game that it's a tight game, which is most games, they dribble it out till eight seconds. They set a screen and then they drive in or they take a three. Like that's what they do every game. So you can't blame that on Randall going ISO because you know that it's Tibbs saying to do that because he's trying to play a conservative so that, hey, worst case scenario, we go to overtime, right? They're, they're never playing it to win the game. And like, you look at like, what like Brian Dable does with the Giants, right? How, how he set a precedent early on in the season. He's like, I'm going to put them in situations to win the game. And you can see how they feed off of that. Right. They fed off that the entire season and overachieved the entire season. But if you if you play play it safe, if you play prevent defense, you're preventing yourself from winning. Right. That's just kind of how it goes. And that's why their leads like they get a 20 point lead and with three minutes left and all of a sudden it's, it's a tie game. Right. It's because you do exactly that. You got to play aggressive. You got to play to your skills. You got to play to your guys. And you got to play the hot hand, which has always been Tibbs criticism in his entire career. One of the many criticisms that he has is he's like, I have a game plan. I'm going with that game plan and I'm not going to do it. And like, to his credit, he's been very fluid this season, right? He's changed the lineup. He's got eight or nine or uh, nine minute rotation or whatever it is. But like, that's one thing that's got to change. You have to go to Brunson in that moment. You cannot go to Randall in that because we, ha- we all know the end game, like the, the, the end of that movie, right? We've seen that movie a million times. We know the ending you need to give it to Brunson. He's been, he's like, number one in clutch shots in the entire, uh, the entire league. And then you also have clutch guys in quickly Grimes and, uh, and uh, Barrett too. Like we, we, we're crapping on Barrett, but crap, Barrett's made a lot of big three pointers. Yeah. In his career. So Randall's really good. The one thing he is not good at and until he gets better at it, like is, is crunch time and you got to give it to somebody else in that moment. You finally have Brunson so that Randall doesn't have to be that guy. I don't care if you're like, you think it's too obvious that you go to Brunson or whatever it is. You try it out. Worst case scenario, you get a shot up and it misses you. The worst, the, the worst case scenario with Randall is nothing happens if he doesn't get a shot off. And that's what happens more often than not. So,
0: and I, I'd almost Fair. rather, I'd almost rather Brunson take over the possession. And when he gets doubled or he runs into a brick wall and can't get something up, Kick then it you out. find Randall with five seconds left and he can attack the rim or take a, a crappy jumper, which he might make, right? Like that is what a lot of teams end up doing late in games. If you have two guys, one of them goes, if he can't get it, you bail yourself out to your teammate and he gets at least an okay look up. And, and it, you know, it kind of sounds like Tibbs needs to save him from himself a little bit, but, but Brunson is that guy. And, and the fact of the matter is, you know, we played LeBron James in this game. He's made a career off of making the right decisions late in games and not always forcing shots. And, and that's the type of thing that the Knicks probably need here. Cause they are more of a strength in numbers team then a team that is a strength in a top one or two, even though having the one and two has helped them a lot this year when they're kicking, when they're actually playing really well, the ball's moving and many people are hitting shots. So why would you not try to implement that late in games as well?
2: Yeah. And again, I just keep pointing back to the fact, we were shooting 20% from three and we took a lot of threes this game, if I'm not mistaken, we, it's not like we didn't take any. So you need to, you need to just, amend the offense to that, right? You need to drive to the hoop and they just stopped doing that in the end of the game. They just completely stopped doing that. They stopped driving to the hoop. They, they just were settling for long jumpers, long twos, long threes. And that's not going to win you games and it's not going to extend your lead when you haven't been hitting them all night.
1: And and I think that's been a theme throughout the entire season. I mean, there was definitely a good chunk of Knicks games that like I, I missed just like due to work and stuff. But like I think um, a big portion of those tightly like competitive games um a lot of bad decisions late turnovers having the game within like six you know points a couple possessions um and then you know just turn the ball over and then not you know basically not getting buckets i said this the other day because i went to the uh next game um at barclays but sometimes we just need a guy that that gets buckets uh at the end of the game um uh, and just you know keeps it close for example like Kyrie did that when you know, um, I was watching. You know, the game at Barclays. Like he was just getting buckets no matter the situation. If they were down by how, however many points, you you take those points. Jalen Brunson did that tonight. Um, every chance he got to either you know get fouled or whatever the case is. But I feel like the Knicks don't do that enough at all. Uh, and like you to your point, Alec, like they're basically ripping threes to close the margin uh, when there's three to four minutes left. In in the meantime, they actually need to you know, go get some buckets and, uh, and, and close the margin that way.
2: And at the, just to build off that Bruce, like you're, you're saying like the Nets would never in that situation, the Nets would never have anybody besides Kyrie taking that shot. Right. Because he was the hot hand. He couldn't miss the entire game. Every team does that. Every team does that except for the Knicks. Yeah. Like Brunson should have been the Kyrie of that game. He may not have hit it. He's no Kyrie. Right. But in that moment, he's the best thing we got. And you have to give it to that guy.
1: Yeah, and again, going along with the theme of bad decision-making, I mean, I think when you're a person who has the ball that much, like, I'm I'm not, you know, saying I'm an expert at anything. this is just my take, but I think when you're a guy like Julius Randle who has the ball that much, of course your instinctive nature is to score and, like, be, a, like, that's your shit. Like, you're going to be a scorer, sorry if I can't cuss. Um, but I think a lot of the pressure behind that is causing him to make these late-game bad decisions. yeah. Hundred um, percent. it's not a miss, even if it's like a one-on-one opportunity that he shouldn't take, uh, what, like, whatever the case may be. I think like that additional pressure is just sort of burying him at, at, at crucial times in which Knicks have been this entire season, um, in terms of late games.
0: Yeah, they, they it is, it's a good point, right? Like it's maybe not a lack. It's not a lack of effort on the offensive end from Julius Randle, right? Like he is. He is full sending at at points here. It's just not the type of full send that I think we want. And actually live as we're we're talking here, I just see a tweet from Tom Thibodeau's post-game press conference. This is Tibbs on the last play of regulation. He says, quote, there's three options on that play. So they have to read the defense. LeBron was on Jalen and Davis was on Julius. Depending on what they're doing, they can go either way. So their play has option. That's why the play is set up that way. So basically, he's saying what we're saying, right? Like it, he puts it in the hands of his two stars, and those two stars weren't able to make the right decision, or maybe you can argue that they made the right decision in that in that regard, and that the play didn't just work out. But Cl- Clips, the is, Tibbs is making it clear he's making a play, he's drawing something up that either Brunson gets it or Randall gets it because they are the two All-Star caliber players on this team who should be taking the game into their own hands at that point in time but it seems like we're not pushing the right buttons. And maybe that's more of a player problem than a coach problem.
2: Yeah. Yes. And no, though, because like, again, my my whole argument comes back to the point that Julius Randall shouldn't have had the ball in that situation. right? So right. you have other people that are more apt to make that play. So you're saying Brunson should... should be like, Hey, Oh, right. Come on. Exactly. I got
0: 37 right now.
2: Like, <laughs> exactly. or and, and Brunson is a really good facilitator. One thing that Randall has, has struggled with this entire year is passing out of the double team. He just can't do it, right? So it, as soon as it gets into his hands and he gets trapped, there's like a 90% chance that he's going to get trapped and he's either going to turn the ball over he's going to get a jump ball or he's not going to you know, get the shot off. Well, those are the three options, right? Those are the yeah. options of that play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... I, I don't know. I just think you give it to Brunson, Brunson, I trust to make the right read. Uh, and, and worst case scenario is he bricks it or he, you know, he gets, he, he just gets blocked or something like that, where he gets the shot off. That's the most important thing of that play.
0: Yeah. And, and how demoralizing to just not even get a shot off. I mean, that's, that's terrible. If we go, if we go big picture here for a second though, because you know, in, in the season that we have here, approaching the all-star break, you don't want to go too hard on one result because it was a close game. They did go to overtime you know, one play here, one play there and they win in regulation. Sure. Right. We can say that to our blue in the face, but big picture on this team. My questions, I don't, my questions are almost don't exist because I don't know which way they're supposed to go right now. In my estimation, there's three ways. They can kind of stand pat and be the the six, seven, eight seed that they are right now, or they can go for marginal improvements to try to lock in being that six best team in the Eastern conference and not be a play in team. Or they can go full send and try to, you know, move a pick and move a player and move some contracts to get a difference maker, like OG Ananobi has been the guy that's talked about the most. But I don't know what their best bet is because there doesn't seem to be someone out there that can put them over a big time hump. But as fans, Bruce from Brooklyn, I want to go to you first. What is I like calling you Bruce from Brooklyn, by the yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but what is your your take as a fan? who obviously wants to see them win every time you watch them and understanding what the future holds for them. Do you want to see them full send, even if it kind of hurts their future mobility, or do you want to see them kind of just take what they got and try to improve with what they have?
1: I think, I think the pivot that I would like to see is like that shift in, in, in momentum for RJ Barrett. I mean, I I can't, say enough about this guy like, i think that he needs to really start being the guy like i like there's no way to put it or else he'll be in a position where he's you know third option his whole career and doesn't really get to sort of unleash that star power so i think i don't know anything about draft picks and and, and, and trades like rumors um at the moment or like what we'd have to give up for those potential picks but i think um you know like you said we're sort of in the middle of the pack here um you know a lot a lot of games left i think with the way that we're currently going we're going to go you know split 500 and you know not be like winning uh have a winning percentage over the you know next portion of the season but i think that you know give it a shot uh change it up for change it up for a bit and not just like two or three games uh give this like a proper go of distributing the ball and another thing i want to just add to that is that like the knicks aren't doing a horrible job of scoring and distributing this year. Like there's three guys that are averaging above, you know, 22 points and, you know, some good averages after that. I just think that the shift needs to start favoring these younger, more developmental players. And, you know, obviously if we're using first round draft picks, like, I feel like all New York teams suck with first round draft picks, but like, you know, we we want someone to pan out and same with Mitch who, you know, who's had injuries recently and he was a second round pick, but like, um that's just my opinion. I think there's a ton of good young talent uh on the roster. Um, some great facilitators, like you said, Jalen Brunson. He's I think you know, I think he's done a remarkable job since he's started playing with the Knicks. But um, but yeah, that, that's just uh that's just my swing of things. I don't think Randall's a bum, you know. I don't none of nothing bad to say. I just think that the game plan needs to shift towards these players who need to develop in actual prime time, um, and become stars now. And you know not in eight years for one year, if that makes sense.
0: Al, what do you have to add to that? What do you want to see them go? In, In the paths that exist, where do you like to see them go?
2: So my mind goes back to what you said before about like, what are the Knicks? And I think that's really hard to pin down right now because they win eight games, they lose five games, they win four, they lose two, whatever. They're super streaky, right? And I think it's important to be a playoff team like more so than a play-in team, like legit, not like made the playoffs after the play-in tournament, not like a seven seed who, who gets it. Or anything. I think it's important to be one of the top six teams. And I think that creates you, your identity and, and they're always looking for that star. Right. And, but I think it's important because winning culture begets good players, right? Like that that's, that's how it operates in this league. The nets were garbage until they weren't and then they got incrementally better. And then everyone wanted to go there as a destination, I think they need to make a trade and on top of that they can't hold on to these draft picks forever. They're going to they're going to go into the draft with 14 picks in a in a draft and, and not be able to sign them. Like they have to move them at some point. What I've been seeing for like OG Nanobi is three first round picks for the Knicks. No, the Knicks would never be giving three unprotected first-round picks from the Knicks or something like that. What you'll probably see is this year or or next year is first-round pick and then two of the protected players. I don't know if that's what the Raptors want, right? That's just what the reports have been out that the Knicks are offering three. And I think that's a good trade because, like, again, you you might you might say, hey, I can get an OG of an OB in the draft. And, and you might – then say oh for sure of course yeah you would say that but like the knicks have done really well at drafting late in the in, in the draft for the past couple of years really well they got quentin grimes they got uh, quickly they got mitch in the second round they got jericho sims which you know he's not a star but for the value they got at the second round for him that's like important so mm-hmm. yeah you might be yeah you might get uh, an og Ananobi, but like at a certain point you have to tra- like transfer those to a player if they make that trade, let's say it's exactly that. Let's say it's you know one unprotected, two protected, and then you have to throw in a filler, whether that's Obi or Fournier or whatever matches salaries or something like that. You still have enough, like plenty to go get another star when they need it. And now you become a destination more so, and they, they're showing that they're a winning culture, right, over multiple years. They, they are showing that they're putting good players there incrementally. And then also it just fills a huge need that we have right now because our bench sucks besides quickly that's a product of just not playing three players that could play on this team and, and Fournier, Reddish and, and Rose, of course, but you have to make those moves too. You can't, you can't go past this deadline with three dead players on your, on your bench uh, that are getting DNPs every, every night and, and those three. And then also Obi, who, you know, who you need to upgrade and he'll flourish somewhere else probably, but you need to, you need to upgrade there. The one question I have with an OG and Obi is what does that mean for the current rotation? Because, Mm -hmm. I don't really want to see Quentin Grimes on the bench, but I also don't want to see OG Ananobi on the bench, right? Like you can't can't see OG Ananobi on the bench. He's too good. Exactly. They're both, they're both, they're both starters. And like, and I really don't want to see RJ on the bench either. So it's like the fit is there in terms of skill and need for the team and everything like that. And he instantly makes the team better. He doesn't make them contenders, but he definitely makes them better depending on what you give up. But I just don't see how it fits. So if you make a trade for OG Ananobi, there's, got to be a, an accompanying trade probably to move rj i would assume or Quentin grimes if you can get someone bigger and i don't know that i want to give up on rj or, or grimes
0: for that matter yeah
2: I, I definitely don't want to give up grimes but you, i mean nobody's nobody's untradeable right like if 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 yeah if um you know Luca goes on the market tomorrow and they're like hey we want Grimes and, RJ and, RJ. and exactly <laughs> there's
0: always
2: there's always a price for it but i i just I I don't see the fit with OG right now unless they make an accompanying move. And I don't really want that accompanying move. But something of that ilk is what I think is important to become that six seed so that you become that that team that is the six seed, right? If that makes sense.
0: And you nailed a bunch of the stuff that I wanted to bring up too because that's the exact critical point of whatever trade the Knicks are going to make. How does it actually fit with their rotation? It's so easy to say, oh, you trade Fournier and Rose who have value to somebody else but no value to us. Now we're better, are we? Who who's in and who's out of this rotation? And one of our uh, podcast mates here on the Basketball Podcast Network from the Mavs Outsiders, Mike Bibbins, we did a little thing cross network where we're making trade offers to each other, and he offered a trade to us to me as the Knicks, you know, the Knicks guy, and offered Tim Hardaway Jr. and Frank Ntilikina, <laughs> which you know, pull bring him back, pull at my heartstrings. You know, I don't got to ask me twice. And um, <laughs> Tim Hardaway Jr. and it was for Reddish and Rose. And I'm like, wow, what a good trade for the Knicks. He's saying as a Mavs guy that they'll be happy with that trade. He offered the trade. We'll take it. But then the question rises, if, say, someone like Tim Hardaway, who's an older version, not as defensive, a little more offensive than O.G. Ananobi, but would Tim Hardaway accept a bench roll? Would he come to the Knicks and say, yeah, I'm going to be the sixth slash seventh man with quickly and let Quentin Grimes start? So you almost need somebody who is undoubtedly better than Quentin Grimes in order to move Grimes to the bench, realistically. Is Tim Hardaway that guy? I don't know. I think Tim should take the bench role. He'll get more shots, run with the second unit, etc. cetera. Would he do that? I don't know. OG Ananobi's not doing that. We can say that straight up. He is too good in his prime and ascending for him to come to New York to go to the bench for a guy who's a second-year player who we love, who we know has great potential, who's very good right now. But OG Ananobi is better than Quentin Grimes at this point in time.
2: Not offensively. He 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 is.
0: He averages more, way more points, and he's not as good of a, sh- uh, a three-point shooter. But he's a better he's a better offensive scorer right now than Grimes. I, I yeah, believe, but, he's aver- but but he
2: but he wouldn't have that role on the Knicks like at all.
0: That's probably true. He'd probably go down a, a few points. He'd probably be relatively comparable to Grimes. But yeah, he's a more proven player. He's a more uh, he's a more known commodity than Quentin Grimes right now. I don't think OG Ananobi's coming to the Knicks and saying, "Yeah, put me on the bench. Grimes can start." Like I don't think that's gonna happen. So who is the guy? That makes the team better. That makes sense for the starting lineup in the rotation. Jay Crowder, I mean, but like I don't. Jay Crowder just didn't play with the Suns because he got benched.
2: But he's the player. He's the player we really need.
0: I think OG is better than than Jay Crowder. I don't even like. I don't yeah. think Jay is that good to be quite honest. I think he, no. But
2: what we need, but like I, I would prefer a move on the margins. Like then, then uh, you need to just make the bench better. You have to make the bench better. You might not, you might not need to give up any picks to make the bench better, right? Like right. you could just give up the Fourniers, the uh, the roses, and the radishes, uh, and and make the the, the get the bench one better. more guy who can play in the rotation. You need second. to get you need to get Miles McBride back on the bench. Like on, like he's he's doing a fine job. Like he's but he's not making the team better. Like he needs to be a guy you bring in for he, for defense.
0: He also doesn't really play the same position as. As uh, Grimes and RJ and OG and Fournier, like he's more of a, of the backup point guard who kind of plays two a little bit. I don't, I don't know. It's all very fair to ask those questions because your point about the picks is is very true as well. They have three picks that are close to first round picks if you count the Mavs, their own, and then the Pistons, which will be you know a top pick in the second round, basically a late first.
2: You the, draft. I think the, the Pistons will won't convey. It'll just get kicked the next year, won't it? If if it doesn't
0: the second round? Pick? Oh, oh, the, I think you're talking about the first round. Okay. Yeah, the piston second. So, you're right though, Alec. If they draft another Quentin Grimes next year with the 26th pick or whatever the map 22nd pick, whatever the map's pick is going to be, what does that mean? I think we're we're like good on the mid-tier players. We're set. Mm-hmm. We got those guys. We need to upgrade those those uh positions and OG might be that guy. OG might be an upgrade that that hits some of the boxes they need to check. But overall, if you go and draft a guy who's like OG or you draft two guys that are equal to OG, they can't play. There's not enough minutes to go around. So uh, they're stuck. They're in a really weird spot right now. And I don't know exactly where they're going to go. I do agree with you, though. There's going to be some sort of marginal move. I don't think it's going to be any of the hot names on the market, like the big names, you know. And sadly, right now in the NBA, the biggest names are O.G. Ananomi and, and Bojan Bogdanovic. So Bojan's not a, a well, fifth
2: Knicks. Van Fleet, the whole Raptors team right. is on the market. And Van Fleet, same concept. Like, is he going to come back up Jalen Brunson? I think Gary Trent would be a nice option for us. I don't know if he would take it. I think he's the most likely to take Garrett a bench Tiny.
0: spot. A bench spot
2: guy. Come yeah. here start ripping threes. I'd love it. Yeah. That, so that, I, don't, that, I, I don't know but I don't think Masai is going to want to lose is, you know, he's not a loser of trades typically. So he's
0: not, he's definitely not. So I don't know. I mean, the Knicks are stuck right now. And, uh, I mean, I think that's pretty much all we have to say on, on tonight's show. So, you know, Bruce, Bruce EP from Brooklyn, you have any last words on, on your Knicks thoughts or general thoughts?
1: No last words on mine. I think you boys had it covered. Uh, going to do some more digging into the free agency bit and see who we can get for August 2nd. So, uh, that's just about it for me.
0: Shout out to Bruce from Brooklyn. I need to get on uh, Paul from Staten Island one one of these days. Paul from Hoboken. <laughs> well, well now, nah, well, when he calls when he calls into the show, he's Paul from Staten Island, right? <laughs> he's been watching the Giants since 1967, and <laughs> that's why they win in 24-17. Okay? <laughs> so <laughs> he might be Paul from Hoboken Monday through Friday, but once the, the nighttime hits and we're recording, the podcast, <laughs> Paul from Staten Island. So, Alec, any last words for you on the Knicks?
2: Uh, not on the Knicks, but go watch last of us. Mm. That's mm. to you. That's to you, not the audience. Like, go, You're so like I can the, talk to you about it
1: today to tell me that. So I, I think I'm going to have to do that and maybe check out the game too.
2: Might be the best, best show on TV right now. And that's tough to say There's a lot of good shows out there. I, uh,
0: um, I need to watch two and three. And I've heard from before the season that episode three is just bonkers and hits very hard. And, uh, I'm excited for it. I don't know if I'm going to sneak it in tonight because I won't be, getting this podcast up until after midnight, probably anyway, but we'll get there. We'll get there probably by end of week by Sunday. I'll
2: hopefully be ready to watch more. No, you're going to sp- get spoilies out there, man. You're going to, you're not going to make it that long.
1: Yeah. Don't scroll. TikTok
2: spoiler
0: free since 93, bro. Come on. <laughs> 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 All right. T-shirt Would you, uh, <laughs> what'd you say, Bruce? T-shirt alert. <laughs> that <was> <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> That's right. Well, Bruce, thank you for your time. Alec as always thank you for your time. Uh, To the Knicks, I don't know, man. I don't know. (laughs) My my hands are up, and I'm saying to myself, what's next? Because I don't know. They'll play a team that they should lose to next week, and they'll beat them, and then they'll play a team they're supposed to beat at home, and they'll lose. And that's (laughs) that's just been the Knicks season this year. And with the heat coming on, the Hawks maybe kind of a little bit being a little bit better. They're still kind of not. Like I just don't know what to expect from this Knicks team on a night-in, night-out basis. Uh, but hopefully we get some consistency in crutch time. That's all we can really ask for right now. And that consistency is a number of wins on the margins. Number of wins. Uh, coming up before the break, we have the Heat, the Clippers, the Sixers. Wow. That's tough. Sixers twice and Brooklyn. Not going to be easy stretch coming up. So, At home Knicks, or away? We got uh, home for Heat and Clippers, home for Philly, and then at Orlando, at Philly, home Utah, home Brooklyn, at Atlanta, and then it's the all-star break. Damn,
2: we're, we might not win a game for the
1: rest of the year. We're losing to Orlando. <laughs> no matter what games we went around that, we're, we're going to lose to Orlando.
0: 100%. Yeah, and that's <laughs> the thing. The Knicks could easily beat the Sixers and then lose to Orlando and then beat the Sixers again. <laughs> Yeah. Like
1: that's that's
0: the Knicks. That's the Knicks season. They beat that's the Celtics right. in this crazy game and then lose. They beat the Cavs. Mm-hmm. They
2: beat the Celtics. They, You know, it, it's they, ah. they. then they lose to the Raptors at home. It's how it works.
0: Such is life as a Knicks fan. But that's all we got. Subway Sports Talk for Alec Argento and Bruce from Brooklyn. I'm Pete Kennedy. Shout out Bruce Pelage, my boy. Appreciate you. you. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, the whole nine, as well on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button and the notification bell so you know when we drop new videos. We'll talk to you soon. We don't have any football this weekend, so no picks, but we'll be back next week with some Super Bowl props, picks, parlays, and the whole nine. Eagles, Chiefs. Real quick, before we go, Bruce, Eagles, Chiefs, what are we thinking?
1: I say Patty Mo cements himself and, uh, and 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 takes this other one
2: home. Alec? Heart says Chiefs, head says Eagles.
0: Okay, there you go. I thought, Bruce, I thought you'd say because of your o lineman roots that you're pro Eagles because their O-line is just freaking dirt nasty.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, it's tough to love Eagles and, uh, just love Eagles fans to begin with. Uh, I'm not not even, I'm not even a Giants fan, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, I think I, I just a big Pat Mahomes guy and, uh, and he, he's done it all year with close to nothing. What looked like nothing in the beginning of the season. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm big time rooting for him.
0: There you go. I'll, I'll have my pick next week, but, uh, I think I'm going, my heart's saying Mahomes. I don't know what my head's saying. Yeah, we'll figure it out. All right, Subway Sports Talk. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers.